Turn with me, please, then, to the book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter, and verse 2. It says, well, let me read verse 1. It goes with it. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, comma, looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus while we do what? While we run our race, running our race, and while we're running our race, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. Is he the author and the finisher of our faith? You know, the Bible talks about uh, in James 2, don't turn there, but 2.1 talks about the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Revelation 14.12 uses the phrase, the faith of Jesus. Do we have a measure of the faith of Jesus? And is he the author and the finisher of it? Yes, he is. And that's what we've been ministering on for some weeks now, the faith of Jesus. Understanding uh, the faith of Jesus, understands what's in us and how this works. He lived by faith. He taught faith. He walked by faith, operated by faith, emphasized faith, required faith. And so we should emphasize it. Now, we've already seen that faith is required. Faith is not optional, it is required. You're not going to get answers to your prayer. You're not going to get success in life. You're not going to receive your healing. You're not going to receive your finances. You're not going to be victorious unless you live by faith. There's no option, no other options. You can't say, well, no, I'm going to beg. I'll just beg God till he takes pity on me. Does not work. Hmm? Well, I'll just work real hard. And if I work hard enough, then I'll get all my blessings. No. No, it doesn't work. People try substituting all other kind of things, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. Right? The just live by faith. They walk by faith. And what's the victory that overcomes the whole world? Even our faith. We saw that there's no such thing... As a person who can't believe. No such thing as a person who can't believe. We saw it's a decision. You decide what you believe and what you don't believe. When somebody says, well, I don't believe that, I can't believe that, that's really inaccurate description. That's the wrong words. They should say, I choose not to believe it. Are you with me? So when you hear somebody say, well, I just can't believe. I just don't have that kind of faith. I just can't believe that. No, not true. You choose not to believe it. And if you so decide, you can choose to believe it. Right? And if you're smart, you'll choose to believe God and believe his word. Right? We saw that just one lie, telling one lie, one deception, can destroy faith. That's why God has never lied. And it's impossible for him to lie. We saw that faith comes by hearing. Hearing. 
Which is why you ought to be in good services and read good books and tapes and read your chapter out loud. Out loud. Every day. Right? (laughs) Monday through Friday. And of course beyond that too, but at least that as your minimum. And last week we got into some detail. Did you get some things last week about the offense? Man, that's big. What we're seeing now, I don't know if you realized it. I mean, I didn't fully see it. You know, I I study and I do what I know to do. But so many times, I don't know where a series is going to go till we get into it. And then it begins to unfold in different directions. And this latest direction is this. We see faith comes. Not by just hearing anything, but by hearing God's words. It comes. But we saw from last week, faith can come. And the word can be sown and you can receive it and get glad about it and never get results. Didn't we see that? Why? Because of becoming offended. Right? Well, here's another area that's the same thing. And I'm excited about this because this answers questions. The people that so-called are standing and things didn't work. So-called word people, faith people, that, well, I believed and I stood and it didn't work. You have never met anybody that trusted God and didn't quit and it didn't work. And you never will. Because nobody ever trusted in him and was made ashamed. The Bible said, God cannot fail. So the failure has to be with us. Right? Well, we can already see one big area. Why a lot of people, even though they started out good, and they heard the word, and they believed it, and they got excited about it, and they started out in faith on that deal, but became offended. And it's very important that we watch the signs of this, and we don't yield to it, and don't give it place in our life, because it can choke our faith out. Well, here's another thing that we need to be aware of. Go to James, please. James. Chapter 1, faith is so precious. The scripture talks about precious faith. And the enemy is out to steal it. If he cannot get you and I to cast our confidence away, he cannot stop the miracles from happening. Can he? If we just believe the word and believe God and obey him, and stand and expect and stand and expect and never quit. It has to happen. God's word cannot fail. All the demons in hell can't gang up together and stop it. For one person. They can't. So what must he resort to? He can't stop the word from working. He can't stop our faith in the word from getting results. Then what must he try to work on? To get us to quit believing. Right? To get us to stop. To quit. To cast our confidence away. Now in James 1, notice this. James 1 and verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. You know, we've talked about this in prayer numerous times. It's a habit in Christian circles that people in prayer 
just say, thank you for this, thank you for that, and don't ask. People will grab hands and say, Lord, we agree for such and such. And they never asked. Lord, I just thank you for this. And they never asked. You must ask. You have not. Why? Because you ask not. You know, where agreement is concerned, people, you know, they get to talking about something and say, well, agree with me. And so they'll grab hands and say, I agree with you for such and such. Well, the scripture said, if any two of you will agree as touching anything that they shall ask. So if you don't ask, you didn't do the verse. Are y'all with me now? Very important. There are legalities involved. And we must ask him. Now it goes on here to say, if you lack wisdom, and of course the principle will work for anything you lacked, health or money or anything, if you lack, do what? Ask. Didn't say ask all your friends. What? Ask God. Is he a giver? He gives to all men. Liberally. Abundantly. And he upbraids not. He won't taunt you for being dumb. You won't come to God and go, oh God, please give me some wisdom. And him say, yeah, you need some. You're dumb as a post. He won't do that. And neither should you. I said, and neither should you. If you're in a better condition in some area of your life than somebody else that's just getting started, be watchful that you don't act and speak condescendingly and that you don't make light of where somebody else. I mean, let's say you're believing God for $100,000 chunks. I mean, that's like breakfast for you now. I hadn't met too many people doing that right now, you know. But there are. There are people who believe in million dollar chunks, just like somebody else believing five dollars. But if somebody else comes up to you and just got a hold of the word and said, Praise God, I believe for ten dollars and it came in, what do you say? You don't go, Oh, ten dollars. Come on, man. No, no, you don't, because if you did grow up, you understand you started at a place too. Everybody start. Nobody starts at the top. Right? You know, so well, I stood and believed God and I had a little indigestion and it went away. What do you say? You don't go, oh, that's nothing. No, you never say, oh, that's nothing. Because you're making light of somebody's faith and you're making light of the word and God answering somebody. No, no. He upbraids not. He doesn't taunt. He doesn't make fun of you when you need something. So we don't make fun of each other. Right? And if people are serious, then there are no dumb questions. I said, if they're serious. Well, I know I've had people tell me this a lot saying, well, Brother Keith, I know this is probably dumb and I know I should know this. But, well, no, if you're serious, it's not dumb. Right? And nobody knows anything unless they've been taught. He said, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraids not and it shall be given him. Ask, God will give it to you. Say it out loud, everybody. Ask. Ask. God will give it to you. What's the next verse say? Then he qualifies. He said, but now, let him ask what? You got to ask in faith. Now, what's the next two words? Nothing Nothing 
wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Does that paint a picture for you? Huh? Somebody's out on the ocean on a little bitty life preserver or a little bitty raft. And here's these huge swells. Oh, the wind's pushing it. It comes way up and it goes way down. Well, what are you going to do on that little bitty raft? You're going to, whatever the wind is pushing that wave to do, that's where you're going to go. You are not stable. You're not solid. You are not immovable. You are ever moving. Whichever way the wind blows, whichever way the wave moves, you're going to move. So you'll be up and you'll be down. Right? And you'll be up. And then what? You'll be down. You'll go way up high and then you'll go way down low. Somebody say, what has that got to do with anything? Well, what's he talking about? This is faith. Are there Christians who one day you meet them and they're way up high? And then what? (laughs) Three days later, way down low. What are they doing? They're wavering. Is that a problem? Can that prevent you from receiving your miracle? Yes. Yes, it can. Yes, it can. Let me show you something. Uh, Brother Don, Mo, would y'all grab one of these buckets and go up here behind that gold chair and both of y'all hold on to it one with each hand and when I tell you to, y'all start towards me. Let's say that these gentlemen represent some of our angels and that when I'm in faith and these are my angels. Somebody said, what do you mean your angels? The Bible uses that kind of language of angels that are assigned to us to take care of us of God. In Matthew, Jesus talked about a little one, said, their angel always beholds the face of my father. Well, why would you lose your angel? Because you grow up. Some people need them more now than when they were five. <laughs> Just ride with them sometime. You'll see what I'm talking about. But... <laughs> But the Bible said that the angels of God hearken to the voice of his word. And they are sent to be ministers to us and for us. And when we believe God for something, then the Holy Spirit and the angels of God go into motion to bring it to pass when we're in faith. So let's say... I begin believing God. I say, man, I see it. In the name of Jesus, I claim more than enough money to pay these bills, and I believe I receive it. Now, y'all start coming real slowly, real slowly. So what happens, like the Bible said when Daniel prayed, and the Bible said it took a while, but the angel showed up with the answer, and he said he was sent the first day that Daniel prayed. Do y'all remember that? But it didn't show up for many days after that. And my angels are headed toward me. But then I have a bad day and I go, oh man, I don't know what the deal is. Stop. I said, oh man, I, I thought I had heard from God and I thought I knew that the money was coming, but man, I, it's getting late and I gotta have it. Now they have to turn around and start going back the other way. I don't know. I don't know if this works for everybody. I'm just not sure. 
And then I say, I get stirred up again. I come to church and hear a good message. And I say, oh, glory to God. Yeah, no, no. Forgive me, Lord. I believe it. The money's on the way. The money's on the way. Yes, it is. It'll be here soon. I believe I receive it in Jesus' name. It's mine. And Lord, I'm just thanking you for it. And I do that pretty good for about three days. Well, what's happening? I can't see it, but what's happening? Huh? It's getting closer. Is that right? And then I get a bunch of new bills. (laughs) And I go, oh, man. And I go, oh, man. Oh, Lord, I don't, I just don't understand. I don't think it's working. I mean, I don't see any money. I don't know where in the world it could come from. And I don't, nobody will help me. And I don't understand. But then I watch somebody on TV and they give a good testimony and I get stirred up and I go, I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me. No, I believe I receive it and my money's on the way. It's coming. This is happening every day. And with so many Christians, they come and they go and they come and they go and they come and they go and it doesn't come to fruition because people quit believing. And they're wavering. One day they're on and the next day they're off and they're on it good for two weeks and then they're feeling sorry for themselves and crying for a week. Are you with me now? Wavering. Because what does the Bible say? Let him ask in faith. What? Nothing wavering. Why? What? What if you waver? Let not that man, what? Think or suppose that he shall receive anything of the Lord. If I keep wavering, they keep coming and going and coming and going and coming and going. Don't you suppose these angels sometimes think... Would you make up your mind? (laughs) We have started with this blessing towards your house 893 times this year. When are you going to let us finish the trip? Do you see it? Come on, guys. That's good. What must we do to allow them to finish the trip? We must get in faith and we must stay in faith. Now, the last time we saw, isn't that what happened to the person we saw? The uh, stony ground? They heard the word. They received the word with joy. They must have been in faith. It was evidenced by the joy. But they didn't receive. There was no fruit brought forth. Why? They got offended And it cost them their faith. They got in faith, but they didn't stay in faith long enough to get the job done. So here again, we see another thing that prevents people from seeing the, what uh, Peter calls the end of our faith. How many want to see the end of your faith? (laughs) 
Yeah, the scripture taught, let me read it to you, you don't have to turn there, but in 1 Peter 1, it says, receiving the end of your faith. The previous verse says, you know, when you believe, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith. Say it out loud, I'm going to receive the end of my faith. I'm going to hold the beginning of my confidence steadfast to the end. Do you remember that? That's scripture, right? How many times the Bible said, hold fast your confession. Hold fast your confidence. Hold on to your faith. Why would he tell us this? Because there's all these things in this life to tempt you, to sway you. And if you get to looking at it and you get to thinking about it and you get to meditating on it, it'll get you off of the word and off of the faith and you'll begin to waver, waver and vacillate. And you're on today and you're not on tomorrow and it does not work. Let not that man think you'll receive anything of the Lord. You won't receive. Why? It went on to say, what's the next verse say? A double-minded man or woman is what? Unstable in all their ways. What kind of minded? Double-minded or two-minded. Some literal translations bring out two-minded. How many minds can you have? To be successful, how many minds can you have? It must be only one. Only one. Now this same word that's translated here, waver, is the word in Mark eleven twenty three. Same word it says, whoever will say to the mountain, hmm, be thou removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt. That's the same word, exactly the same Greek word that's here translated waver. In James, you could say it like that. If you'll say to the mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and don't waver. Don't waver. You'll have what you say. Well, what if you waver? I think it's going to happen. I don't know. Yeah, 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 it's going to happen. Man, I just don't know. See, you're of two opinions. You're of two minds. You're vacillating. You're wavering. doesn't work. Another place, the same word is used. Same word in a positive way. The Bible said, Abraham, staggered not. <laughs> How you like that now? That's exactly the same word as translated waver here and is translated doubt over in Mark eleven twenty three. Abraham staggered not at the promises of God, but he was fully persuaded. Oh, glory to God. Fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to perform. And so he wasn't getting up one day and yeah, we're going to have a son. And the next day, I think we're too old. It was every day. I'm Abraham, father of many nations. Right? Child's on the way. Right? Didn't waver. He didn't waver. He didn't vacillate. He didn't stagger. Now, here's some revelation the Lord gave me some years ago on this. Believe to get it now. This will change your life if you put it in your spirit and begin to act on it. 
as to why people waver. What is actually going on when people waver? Go with me to uh, Matthew 14 and you'll see a very good example of wavering. Matthew 14. Everybody said out loud while you're going over there, I'm not a waverer. I'm not a doubter. Matthew 14, in the latter part of the chapter, Jesus came walking on the sea, and the disciples saw him in verse 26, and they cried out. Jesus said, be of good cheer, it's me. Glory to God. Be not afraid. Peter said, verse 28, if it's you, call me to come. He said, come on. And Peter got out, got out of the ship, and rested his feet on the H2O and walked on the water to go to Jesus. How many understand what he was thinking about at this time? He wasn't thinking about what they were going to have for supper. He wasn't thinking about the molecular qualities of water. He wasn't thinking about the shifting of the water from the wind. He wasn't thinking about anything except he had his eyes on Jesus. He was looking to the author and the finisher of his faith. Where did his faith come from for him to get out of this boat and do this miracle? It came from the one he's looking at who told him to come. And there was power in that word come. That would enable him to do what the word said do. And as long as he kept his eyes on the master. And as long as he kept his mind on that word. He's doing the impossible. He's experiencing the miraculous. But then something happened. That changed that. Didn't it? Verse 30. But when he saw the wind. Well now there's something else involved. Not just looking at Jesus, we're trying to look at two things now. Come on, are y'all awake? Are y'all with me this morning? Man, this is important. Don't sit there and think, I've heard that story before. (laughs) No, this is telling you and me how to overcome every day. You may not need to walk on the lake tomorrow, but you're going to need to walk over some circumstances. You're going to need to walk over some stuff. You'll either walk over it or you'll drown in it. And for the victorious child of God, we can overcome every time. We can walk on it every time. But you will not do it by trying to look at everything. We live in a society that prides itself on its complexity. And on its ability to multitask. Oh yeah, I can watch three computer screens at the same time and I can work my PDA and talk on the phone and drive. (laughs) While I eat my hamburger. (laughs) I got a flash for you. You ain't that good. There's nobody that good. Nobody. Some say, well, yeah, but there's difference, Brother Keith, between men and women. Listen to me. <laughs> Nobody can give their self completely to.
to two things. Nobody. Information you devote to one thing is taken from another. For everybody. There's nobody that can completely focus on two and three and five things. Nobody. Nobody. And the problem comes in when walking by faith is when people try to do that. They're going to, you know, I'm a very intelligent individual, so I'm able to take all of the possibilities and all of the information into consideration. And so I'm able to look at this and this and this and this and this and this and this, all the options simultaneously. No, you're going to be a confused, wavering individual. You got to make a choice. About which one to pay attention to. And what do you do with the rest of it? You ignore the rest of it. You refuse to look at the rest of it. You refuse to think about or talk about the rest of it. You got to make a choice. This is what we look at. And the rest of it we don't. There's a lot of stuff you do not need to consider. There's a lot of stuff you do not need to talk about or think about. Well, I have to look at all the options. No, you do not. You need to hear from God. And once you've heard from God, that should be it. Nothing else to look at. Right? I had people try to talk to me. You know, when we were coming up here, we didn't intend, as you know, originally, we didn't know it was God's plan for us to pastor. But the Lord began to deal with us about Branson. And it's not like I'd always thought Branson was the place that we thought we'd always wanted to go. I mean, we'd never thought about it. It's a wonderful place. We like it. It's home now. But I just mean it had never been a place that we had aspired to go. And when we begin to get it in our heart, Branson, and this went on for months, something about Branson, something about Branson. So we begin to come and we just ride around and look and pray. I thought, God, what is it? What? What? What is it about Branson? You want us to send an offering to Branson? You want us to come have a meeting in Branson? I mean, see, we hadn't got it at all at that point. But then when we did begin to see about the church and about those things, I had other people come to me and say, well, now, Brother Keith, you know, uh, why don't you go over here? There's more people. Or why don't you go over there? This city, you know, is more financially affluent. There's a lot more your population. But you know how big Branson is? Your population base. You know, you got to think. <laughs> I mean, if all the population of Branson showed up, what is that, 6,000? I mean, it's not what I'm talking about. It's not like a huge city. But you know, I never got confused about which city we should go to. I did not spend one afternoon thinking, well, should I go to Atlanta or should I go to Detroit or should I go to Dallas? Not one hour. Why? Because the Lord didn't say anything to me about Dallas or Atlanta or Detroit. Did you hear me? He said Branson. So Branson is the place for me. Are you with me now? But I did not have to go through any confusion. Why? Because I got this when I was 16 years old. The Lord dropped it in my heart. 
And I decided, if I can learn how to hear from God, I've got it made. (laughs) I got that in my heart when I was 16. I thought, if I can learn how to hear from God, I got it made. Someone said, what do you mean you got it made? Because I've already decided that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. If I can hear from him, then all the discussion and the debate and the confusion is over. I shouldn't be wrestling and going, well, now, here's what God said do. But, you know, do I want to do that? Because I could also do this. Or I could do this. Or I could do this. Which one do I want to do? Listen now. People are going through indecision. Because they are not committed to do the word of God. Indecision. It's a tormenting thing. Do I do it or do I not? I just don't know. I got all these choices in front of me. Which one do I take? What's so hard about that? (laughs) Number one, have you heard from the Lord? If you haven't, get to seeking him. Get in the book. Get to praying. Miss a meal if you need to. Spend some extra time. Once you've heard from the Lord, there should be nothing else to consider. Oh, come on, guys. Are y'all with me this, this morning? Once you've heard from the Lord, what else is there to consider? Unless you're going to be rebellious, disobedient, go your own way. Right? All this complexity that people talk about. People pride themselves in modern society. I'm a very complex individual. People don't understand me because I'm very complex. (laughs) No, we understand you. You're confused. (laughs) Because you're not committed. You have not made the decision once and for all. That the word of God is the final answer. That when you've heard from God, that's it. There's nothing else to consider. Huh? (laughs) The Bible said in verse 31. Well, verse 30, we should read. Peter saw the wind. Boisterous. He was afraid. And he began to sink. Oh man, do you see this now? There was a time when he was only thinking about and looking at one thing. One thing. He was looking at Jesus and he was thinking about what Jesus said. That's it. When he was doing that, he had power in his life. He was overcoming everything. He was doing the impossible. He was seeing the miraculous. And then... He decided there was something else to look at. Right? The wind. Well, the wind and waves was there before. The wind and wave did not cause him to fail. Did it? People say, well, the circumstances overcame them. They cannot overcome you, a child of God, walking in faith. Well, the disease killed him. No, it didn't. It's not strong enough in and of itself. Well, their poverty overcame them. No, no. It was the wavering. It was the doubt. It was the fear. 
he got to looking at something else. And probably at first, it was like this. There's Jesus. Who? what was that? Oh, Jesus. Who? what was that? Oh, there's Jesus. What's happening now? What will happen? You keep doing that. Then you're just now looking at the, you become, you know, preoccupied now with this wave and wind. You're no longer looking at him. You're no longer thinking about what he said. And that's when you start sinking. Run your race. How? Looking, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. Oh, does this do anything for you today? I'll tell you what, glory to God. Can you hear the word, get excited, get in faith, start doing the miraculous and impossible, and wind up failing? You can. It's happened to many times. How? By wavering. Why do people waver? Because they decide they can look at other things and think about other things. The devil is the offerer of other options. He is the chief of the alternatives. Let me tell you again now. The devil is the offerer of other options. People quit their marriages so quickly. Why? Because the devil tells them, oh, there's a lot of women out there that'll have you. You don't have to put up with this. There's a lot of men that'll have you. You deserve better than this. And so because people consider, well, I have all these options. Then they don't stick it out and make it work. Did you hear me? Somebody rubs them the wrong way at church or at work or wherever in the family. And they go, well, I don't have to go to that church. I'll go somewhere else. I don't have to work at that job. I work somewhere else. There are not 52 different perfect wills of God. And that you can just choose whichever one you like the best. There's a place. And there's a grace. And there's a position and a race that God has ordained that you and I run and fit and do. And if we decide to do something else, we jump out of the perfect will of God. And when you do, you open up the door for destruction in your life. The Bible said in uh, Matthew 6. Don't turn there. You go to Numbers. Go to Numbers, please. And the... uh, 21st chapter of Numbers. Numbers 21. While you're finding Numbers 21, listen to Matthew 6. He said, The light, Jesus said, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye be single, your whole body will be full of light. You'll be full of light when what? Your eye is single. What does that mean? You are looking at and you are thinking about, hmm, talking about, listening to 
One thing. One thing. And that one thing is the Lord and what he told you. Uh, hold your place in numbers. How many remember the story of Mary and Martha? You remember that? Anybody remember Mary and Martha? What about them? For time's sake, let me just talk you through it. Mary and Martha and Lazarus are some of Jesus' closest, dearest friends. They're closer to him at this point in his life than his own blood family. He comes and he eats with them. They must be good cooks. Because a lot's talked about, you know. He came, he was in the house. And Martha, the Bible said, was very busy. One translation says, making elaborate provisions. Elaborate. I mean, she's going all out. And she is cooking, and she's baking, and she's fixing, and she's basting this, and she's whipping this, and she's, stuff is a flying in the kitchen. And Jesus is here, and all his staff is here, and it's a big deal. She comes to the door, and there's her sister, Mary, just sitting there on the floor, listening to Jesus. So she comes back and she's working and working and working and working and working and working. She comes back and looks again. Tried to get her attention. (laughs) Mary. Mary. (laughs) Couldn't get her attention. Because Mary is just thinking about. Martha is thinking about the roast and the turkey and the cake and the pie and the cornbread. She's thinking about the silverware and the dishes. She's thinking about the tablecloth. She's thinking about how many places. And one thing that's really beginning to preoccupy her is how sorry her sister is acting today. <laughs> and she began to get resentful. And aggravated, does that sound familiar? We talked about that last weekend, right? Offense that can cost you your faith. And she got so full of this and so aggravated about this that she comes to the door, and I get this, interrupts Jesus. Jesus is there teaching. Interrupts him. And says, Jesus, don't you care? That Mary is sitting here, and I'm in here slaving in this kitchen, and she won't even get up and come and tell her to come in here and help me. She was just sure Jesus would side in with her. So many people like that. They're just sure that me and Jesus agree on this, of course. <laughs> and he don't. Listen, how many remember what he said? Martha, Martha. Now, when the Lord calls your name twice like that, just go ahead and start repenting right now. Just go ahead and hit the floor and say, oh, please, God, have mercy, because you're in trouble right now. 
Martha, Martha, you are careful and troubled about many things. About what? She was a multitasking queen. (laughs) You are careful, full of care about, and troubled about what? Many, many many things. Now let's just back up. Does she have peace? What's her condition? She's distraught. She's upset. She's frustrated. No peace. No joy. Now, friend, when you're like that, get a clue. You're the one who has a problem. I don't care what you think somebody else is supposed to be doing. When you get like that, you're the one who has a problem. If you didn't have a problem, you'd have peace. You might not like something, but you'd have victory over it. You'd have joy. Right? You'd be together. He said, Martha, Martha, you're troubled about many things. Mary has chosen that one good thing that will not be taken away from her. See, what Martha failed to realize, she should not have just started with all this big deal. She should have come to Jesus and asked him, do you want me to fix a big meal? She just assumed that she knows what she should do. Oh, you get in trouble by assuming. There's a really important word we should use. Ask. Ask. Don't assume you know what to do. Ask the Lord. Ask. Everybody say ask. 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 And ask with a good attitude too. Ask with sweetness. Ask. And be ready. You know, she could have just, this whole thing could have been avoided. She could have just sided up to Jesus when he came in and said, Lord, I see you brought the whole staff with you. You want me to fix a good meal? And very likely he would have said, I mean, they've been out on the open fields there where the bread and loaves were multiplied. There's a number of ways to get fed around here. Right? But she just assumes, I got this big task and I got this big job and everybody knows I got this house full of people to feed. And Mary... Acting like a sorry little heifer. You need to get up, get up from there. Get in here and help your sheep. You know better than that. Our mama didn't raise us this way. Sit in there while I do all the work she was not supposed to even be doing. No, now, did you get this? Who's she doing this for? No, she thinks she's doing it for the Lord. Right? She thinks I'm doing this for the Lord. Don't just launch out and do stuff for the Lord. Ask Him what He wants you to do. And be willing for it to be very different than what you thought He wanted. You do not know everything about what He wants. It's presumption to assume so. Ask. Somebody say ask. Ask. Have you found numbers? I think I can close with this. Sometimes people say, well, Brother Keith, you just don't understand. I mean, I hear all this about wavering, but sometimes you just can't help it. The symptoms are so alarming, and the debt and the creditors and things are so pressing. You just can't help it, but look at it and think about it. That is not true. Let me show you a perfect example. The children 
of Israel have murmured against God and Moses and Aaron. They've gotten into fear and unbelief and they've removed the protection from off themselves. And poisonous snakes have come into the camp from every direction and are biting the people and people are swelling up and choking and dying from snake bite. And verse 7, 21, 7, are you there? The people came to Moses and they said, we have sinned. That's true. We've spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he'll take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, make you a fiery serpent and sit on a pole. And it'll come to pass that everyone that is bitten when he looks on it shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and he put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Now I want you to get the picture. Sometimes we just read over that and it's not real to us. We're told there are 603,550 soldiers in this camp. This doesn't include the young people, doesn't include the older people, doesn't include the women, the children. There are millions of people in this camp. Now what if we turned loose four big rattlesnakes in this auditorium this morning? Just a handful of people compared to that. And a big snake come up under your feet. Come over the arm of your chair. What do you think you'd do? (laughs) There are enough snakes that they are going through this whole camp of millions. Do you understand what would be happening in the camp? Chaos. Somebody would be screaming... There's a snake on me. Somebody would be hollering, I've just been bitten. Somebody would run and spook the camels and the camel would knock the tin into the fire and the cook pot would be knocked over. How many know what I'm talking about? There's dust and there's animals and people and somebody screaming, where's my child? And somebody yelled and I just heard my mother and, right? And somebody's looking at some big fang marks and their arm is swelling up and they feel their heart doing funny things. In the middle of this, it was supernatural, but in the middle of this, Moses hears from God, raises up something big enough that everybody could see it and tall enough, a snake on a pole that we're told in John 3 was a type of Jesus on the cross. How could that snake on the pole be a type of Jesus? He became sin with our sin while he hung there. Brass typifies judgment. And he raised that up. And this is the instruction. What? Whoever looks will live. Somebody got an amplified here close by? I got it right here. Listen to what the amplified says. In the note here it says, whoever looks will live. It says, obviously this implies... That the look of the victim of the fiery serpent to be healed was something far more than a casual glance. When he says look and live. A look would save. 
But what kind of look? The Hebrew text here means to look attentively, expectantly, with a steady, absorbing gaze. Oh, did you hear this now? What kind of look? To look attentively, expectantly, with a steady, absorbing gaze. In the midst of what? Well, if you wanted to live, what'd you have to do? (laughs) You had to fix your eyes on that serpent of the pole. On the pole. And you had to fix with an attentive, expectant, steady, absorbing gaze. What does that mean? You couldn't be double-minded. You had to just focus on this one thing. Right? What about if you heard a snake behind you? What if you heard a loved one screaming? What if you feel that venom coursing through your veins? What do you got to do? You got to keep. And of course this was a type of Jesus. So it typifies keeping your eyes on him. And on what he said to do. Could you do it? You read the rest of the passage. Millions of them did. Venom's already coursing in their vein. And while they looked. They were healed. Can you do this in the midst of disturbing, distracting symptoms? They weren't even born again. They didn't have the name of Jesus. They weren't filled with the Spirit. And they did it. Then you and I can do it. I said you and I can do it. Once we've heard from the Lord, that's it. Nothing else to look at. Nothing else to talk about. Nothing else to think about. Nothing else to meditate upon. Right? We've heard from the Lord. That's it. I'm going to live and not die. Already got my good report. Right? He supplies all my needs. That's it. Yeah, but what about? Forget what about. Yeah, but. No buts. You cannot think about all these things simultaneously. You'll begin to waver and you will doubt and you will not get your results. You'll not receive the end of your faith. You have to develop powers of concentration. You have to become single-minded. You have to have a steady absorbing gaze. And you have to get a one-track mind. Let people make fun of you if they like. But this is how you get miracles. You talk about it in the morning. You talk about it at lunch. You talk about it at night. They want to talk to you about something else. You go, oh, no, no. Oh, we've heard from the Lord. Nothing else to talk about. This is it. And faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, and you're talking it, and you're hearing it, and thinking it, and talking it, and hearing it, and thinking it, and talking it, and hearing it, thinking it, you'll have it. I said, you'll have it. It'll come to pass. And the angels will start towards you with the answer the moment you stand in faith. And you don't waver, they'll just keep coming, and keep coming, and keep coming, and yeah, they'll show up in your life. The answer will show up in your life. The healing will show up in your life. The money will show up in your life. Because God cannot fail. His word is true, and he is faithful forever. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, please. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.